everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Deconstructing the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We are back after some technical difficulties. I think this took like 45 minutes to get going, which is way too long. But I am here, as always, with Brett the Beetle Eitzen. I don't know why the Beetle. Um, that's, the Blue Beetle is from a completely different cinematic universe, Trevor. But it's I will... It's coming soon, though. It is coming soon. Yeah. Today, we are talking about Ant-Man, not Ant-Man and the Wasp, the original Ant-Man, the origin story with Mr. Paul Rudd. And, Brett, if I if I didn't know any better, I would say you have some notes for us on how this production went. Oh, my goodness. Ant-Man is... It's got some drama behind it. Really? More than you probably think. From a, from a movie this tiny? From a movie this tiny. Would you believe... That this movie has been in, had been in production since two thousand and three, <laughs> because it was wow. And this is twenty fifteen, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Shoot, twelve years. So it's a small child. So yeah, right. So originally, writer director Edgar Wright mm-hmm. pitched ant-man to marvel okay and then for a number of years they just couldn't quite you know get the wheels turning and then like this seems like he'd be that be up his alley it, right it, it makes complete sense he's someone i would i would pick for an ant-man movie yeah so he wrote he wrote a script he kind of when the mcu started taking off he started looking at casting and he mm-hmm. he really did get the process not just starting, but like really going. He dropped out then in 2013 due to creative differences after Disney purchased. Because mm, gotcha. Disney purchased in 2012, I yeah. believe. That sounds right. Um, 2011, 2012, somewhere in there. And yeah, so then after those creative differences, he, he dropped out as director, went on to do other amazing things, obviously. But obviously. Uh, yeah, then, then Peyton Reed came in. They rewrote the script although enough of it's still there that edgar wright has a writing oh, credit, writing credit. Wow. Mm-hmm. The, the, yeah the writing uh you know who all has writing credits in this edgar wright okay <laughs> joe cornish adam mckay uh, that name is familiar i can't uh it. well he did he do some of the he, previous properties uh he's done no 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 I don't think he's done anything else MCU. He's a T. I think he's most no, known for his TV writing. Looks like he did. Don't look up. Yes, Anchorman, don't look up. Yep. The Step Brothers, other mm-hmm. guys, and then finally Paul Rudd actually has a writing credit on this as well. Seriously? Yeah. I bet he wrote some jokes in there, or or did some. I, I I'm saying that based on nothing, but sure. I imagine. It was enough that they were probably like, oh, you could you could get thrown on here. Yeah. Too. So I think I think initial draft was written by Edgar Wright and Joe Cornish, and then Adam McKay and Paul Rudd probably came in mm. to clean it, you know, kind of clean it up. Sure. Peyton Reed obviously had some say in it, but there are a little inside baseball here. There are certain <laughs> requirements and limitations to how many writers you can actually credit on a movie. Oh, seriously. Man, I wish it was the same thing with music because <laughs> some music things get when they get produced, it'll be like you know you'll get the sheet music for it and it'll be like words and music by A B C D E F G and you'll have like eight or nine writers. Well, poor um, Edgar Wright, man. That that that, that could have been. I'm glad he got that credit, but that could have been a cool. Yeah, as much as I like Peyton Reed and what he brings to these movies mm-hmm. he's done all three ant-man ant-man movies i i really do think 
a Edgar Wright Ant-Man would have just been so much fun to see. Yeah, and it would have been so, like, self-aware. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. Other than that, like, those are, like, kind of the big things. Sure. Uh, obviously, this was kind of the introduction of a lot of these, a lot of new characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know you'll dig into those here in a moment, but this is the second time in the Phase 2 of the MCU we get a kind of unknown paul rudd was not unknown at the time but he was a smaller funny guy turns into buff action hero yeah after chris pratt in guardians sure like he's not he was never a comedian but he was kind of he was the funny guy on parks and rec and he's like oh now he's ripped and he's like yeah so this kind of sets a (laughs) there was a precedent set there that i didn't expect right but i think paul rudd's a great choice who else do we got in the in the cast well before i get to that let's chat about our beverage why why are you always doing this to me? I always forget that we have a drink here. I did too, and I we usually I'd stop us, but I was like, we're already in the thick of it. <laughs> not the not the critically acclaimed the thick of it written by Will Smith, but we're in the thick of it of the podcast. So today's drink is Pim Particle Juice, and I believe it is supposed to be club soda, pineapple juice, and some kind of strawberry blast juice concentrate. Mm-hmm. kind of thing notice he said supposed to be because those are not the ingredients not. that brett brought over tonight <laughs> well hey and, and if there's anybody excited for that it's me instead of the ju- the weird juice concentrate it's strawberry daiquiri mix yeah 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 and then we added some watermelon no strawberry sh- margarita mix uh strawberry margarita mix yeah my yeah. apologies <laughs> no salt rim tonight though <laughs> but we also added some watermelon pucker to it so yeah to, to be fair this mix the recipe does not did not have an alcohol included with it. That's true. We, so we did have to improvise a little bit. We are hey, this we are a, both thirty or over now. Yes, so we can indulge in alcohol whenever we want. Absolutely, thirty. I, that's the magic age, right? I was trying to I was trying to make you feel better about how old you are because now we're both to that now we're both to that uh that part in our lives. You just made me confused. Is all you really did? Oh no. <laughs> Well, shall we? Shall we? Shall. Great. Well, there's a little tink. Mm. That's going to be good when you hear my <laughs> right next to the microphone. <laughs> it's a, It's definitely a summer beverage. It's actually not as sweet as I would have thought yeah, it would it, be. It tastes like lemonade almost. It also does not taste very alcoholic, so yeah. that could be dangerous. <laughs> Characters. Yes. Characters. So, Brett, would you like to know the main, not the main characters, but our new characters in this latest installment? I would imagine that this is going to be a nice, healthy list since it's a uh, kind of a new origin story for the MCU. So, yes. Great. Hit me with it. I'm going to hit you with it so hard. So first up. And fast. Not too fast. Enough. Oh, okay. I, I have to buy you dinner first. <laughs> first up, we have Ant-Man, who was played by Paul Rudd. We've kind of given that away a little bit. Spoiler alert. All right, next up on our uh, list of characters, we have Michael Douglas as Hank Pym, which is a nice choice. Have you seen any, uh, seen any of his stuff in his prime? Like, did you ever watch Romancing the Stone? Oh, yeah, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, next, we have... Sorry, I put these in, like reverse on some of them and some of them i didn't so i have to like figure out whose is the real name oh no we have evangeline <laughs> lily as hope van dyne so you almost said we have hope, hope van, van dyne as, as evangeline, evangeline lily, lily. Yes. nice <laughs> nice we have bobby cannaval as paxton who i believe is the cop boyfriend yeah it'd be uh maggie lang's 
Yes. Mm-hmm. Or I guess. Well, that's funny. She's credited as Maggie, but then the daughter, who is played by Abby Ryder Fortson, mm-hmm. is credited as Cassie Lang. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Judy Greer is plays Maggie, mm-hmm. plays Scott Lang's ex-wife. Michael Pena plays the fan favorite, I think, Louise. Louise. Yeah. Oh, love love me some Louise. Yes. David Dasmalchian, which if you listen to our Guardians episode, I incorrectly thought that other guy was Polka Dot Man. This is Polka <laughs> Dot Man from the Suicide Squad. But yep. he plays Kurt. No, he doesn't, because I have two people listed yes. as Kurt here. He, play, he plays Kurt. Great. Are you double-checking me? Yeah, I, go? I, got Great. You. I got your back. Tell me who T.I. is, because I also have him as <laughs> Dave. Kurt. His name's just Dave. Dave. Great. <laughs> the getaway driver, Dave. I love it. And then finally, we have, oh, this is Martin Donovan as Mitchell Carson, who is the new old head we see in the beginning. He's the one that uh, Michael Douglas Punches. slams into the desk. Or, yeah, 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 yeah. It doesn't punch. He slams into right. the desk. Yeah, he's yeah. there with a... Uh, and that's kind of... That might be a nice thing. Haley Atwell is in this briefly. Yep. She makes a return. So does the old Howard Stark. John Slat- Slattery. Slattery. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I think it's just those three. I think it's them and then my, and then a D.H. Michael Douglas in that opening Yeah, that, and that was kind of a big deal at the time i think oh, yeah. it was the first time in the mcu had been really utilized to that extent yes whereas like here's a full scene the actor was there we just de-aged them right it's like what <laughs> right <laughs> excuse me <laughs> but that's our that's our fullest of the newbies except there's one you forgot sir one who's the who's the antagonist oh i i even wrote it down Corey Stoll as Darren Darren Cross. Cross. Yeah. Yeah. It's because when we said who Paxton was, he was next, but then we jumped to Cassie and Maggie. Oh, yeah. We skipped him. I want to make it clear. I wrote it down (laughs) and I just skipped over it. So, yeah. 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 And then I think we just have one one returning character, right? Yes. Who is. Anthony Mackie. Anthony Ma- Anthony the Man Mackie. The man. He is man. I get technically he's one of the like three because of Haley Atwell and, and John Slattery. But yeah. Yeah. But I think even when like I think even when it happens on screen I don't know. I don't know that anybody was expecting a crossover character so quickly. Yeah. Especially a new one, because he'd only been in Two Age of Ultron and Winter Soldier so far. We're 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 kind of used to that like high level up, you know. Oh my gosh, uh, why can't I think of his name? Fury, know. Nick Fury. Oh yeah, yeah. The like the Nick Fury type to show up and be like the cameo oh, maybe sure. at the end of the end of the movie. It's a post credits thing. Yeah. But I was like, no, like we get a scene in the movie with, you know, one of the newer Avengers. Yeah. We just got through like age of ultron where it's like oh yeah there's this new campus and 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 the falcons there and so like it would make sense that he's that he's there it's it's a really clever way to tie it in and make it feel a part of the bigger world Mm -hmm. without necessarily busting your budget on having a bunch of huge cameos right yeah yeah man well should we get into it let's get into it brett tell me about ant-man what did you think of this movie was it was it did it live up to your tiny expectations <laughs> um yeah i think this is one of those mcu films that i don't rewatch often mm-hmm. but i'm always pleasantly surprised when i do 
That's a good way to put it. I kind of have my favorite, you know, Winter Soldier is one that I'll just be like, oh, I'm craving a Marvel movie. I'll throw it on, right? But I don't usually think about Ant-Man. At the end of the day, it's a pretty tight story. It's smaller in scale, which I love. It's got good comedy. Yeah. For as much development, again, like, this movie didn't go through, like, development hell. Right. But, like, it did change a lot in the last two years of its existence. Yeah. I think it works really, really well. Yeah, man. I think that that probably comes down to Paul has mm. Paul Rudd has got good chemistry with everyone on screen, and his he's oozing, and he charisma. has charisma. Yeah, yes, he is uh, oozing is a good way of good Thank word you. for it. Thank you. <laughs> I, so I look yeah. for every opportunity I can to use that word. I I I have a lot of fun with it. So what about you? Same thing, man. Yeah, this is I'm actually kind of struggling thinking of our. So when I watch these movies, I have a bad habit of kind of thinking of where it's going to be placed as I'm watching it instead mm-hmm. of waiting till the end. Mm-hmm. And I'm struggling with this one, man. I And we'll kind of talk about when we get there. But there's aspects to this movie that I think we don't get as much of or are not as present that make a film shine as okay. this one does. This one's got like, I really like... Ant-Man's, Scott Lang's character arc in this. Mm -hmm. Motivations, I think, are pretty clear-cut across the board. Now, there's some some stuff in this that I think, you know, things just happen, and you're just like, oh, okay. But (laughs) for the most part, everything kind of has an explanation, even if it's just a throwaway line from earlier on. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, this one is, I was... Looking at it with fresh eyes, and especially doing this project, I'm a little... I was pretty excited with how well this went. Yeah. It, it was it was exciting to watch. One of those other things that I think it has going for it, like we talked about with Winter Soldier, it, it really does feel like a genre movie. Yes. It's, it's a heist movie. It's a, it's a heist movie. Yeah. It, and, it does the superhero thing, but completely within the context of a heist. Yes. 100%. And... I don't know if you know this about me. I'm a sucker for heist movies. Except not I don't want to see like the Italian job or I can't any of the other like Oceans. Uh, that's what I love. I the the cheesiness. Uh, I wanna see the cheesy heist movies where it's like a bunch of A list actors getting together and then they do something goof like crazy, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. I actually the last time I showed Oceans eleven to somebody Oh, they got done with it, and they were like, yeah, that was good, but have you seen Tower Heist or Italian Job? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, because this is great, <laughs> and I love this. Let's watch Ocean's 12 right now. <laughs> Just kidding. Let's not watch Ocean's 12. <laughs> but, There's a line there. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yep. Yep. But no, man, I yeah, I definitely agree. We were talking a little bit earlier about the de-aging in this. Mm-hmm. With the exception of people's mouths, I think the de-aging really worked well in this mm-hmm. michael douglas looks phenomenal yeah as a as a as his younger self yep in this and yeah i think you're right i think this is the first time they although when did rogue one come out oh uh, not till 2016 okay because uh, it would have been yeah it would have been a year after this okay because when they recreated Tarkin. Yeah, I, well, I was trying to think of the actor. Grand Admiral, Admiral Tarkin. <laughs> What's his name? I can't think of his name. Go ahead. Yeah, but no, but that's what's, good. We can't. We both can't think of it. Great. Uh, yeah, when they reanimated him, 
that I remember being really impressed by that. Mm-hmm. And so this was kind of cool to see the beginnings of that. Maybe you yeah. know, I don't know how technology works. Although the, I guess that's both Disney. I assume it's magic, right, yeah. Trevor? They've <laughs> done some ceremony and <laughs> have summoned some being to provide them to make with... Michael Douglas <laughs> thirty-five. Again. Exactly, that's the only explanation I can think of. Because yeah, I don't know how a computer would do this, but apparently it does. So. Right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, it is. It is. It's. It's really good, and they use it well. It's sparse enough. And mm-hmm. I think it's. I think it helps that it's at the beginning. Yeah. It's like okay. Oh yeah. Like because even if you're long. like not totally convinced, it moves on so quickly that then you're engrossed in the story. Right. And it's like okay. Well, I remember. Like okay, that was, he was young. Yep. And you, do, you don't necessarily remember the the real fine details of that. Yeah. Um, you see a red liquid. You you if you're if you have a if you have a, a sharp eye, you might notice that's Howard Stark. Mm-hmm. I don't know that they actually say call him by name, but. And then Haley Atwell is, you know, and so if you're looking, you'll see them. But yeah. Yeah. Not necessarily blink and you miss it, but I think it was a good pace. Yeah, it was a, it's a nice little intro there to kind of set up the world. And I, again, not like the world in the moment that we're, the movie's actually in, but it, it gives you just enough of the backstory to be like, okay, that's all you really need to know. Mm-hmm. He he was he worked with Shield and he's pissed and he left right and he invented a red liquid. <laughs> yes, that's all you need. Yep. And people are trying to steal it or cre- recreate it or something. And, yeah. And I really dug this whole movie has a vibe of seventies ness mm-hmm. to it. It this you know when we watch Iron Man or, or the first Iron Man or even you know in the future when we watch maybe Thor Ragnarok. Those comics feel like they were like if they were pulling from comic sources, those movies feel like they'd be pulling from today's sources. Right. This movie feels like they were looking at like the old golden age stuff, like mm-hmm. the nineteen sixties or I guess it's Silver Age, but like looking at that and that's what they were pulling from. And I really the that beginning scene, I know we're talking a lot about a scene that's like maybe three minutes. Yeah. I, but even the idea that Shield existed before Nick Fury and before Captain America was a thing and all that, that it's been around and like these are the old heads of Shield. I thought that was a really cool thing, extra world building kind of Yeah, thing. especially since we we have already had in the current timeline, right? Like we've had the downfall of Shield. Right. Shield kind of doesn't exist except then maybe in Age of Ultron it does a little bit. Right. And so we needed to be reminded that you know, the the bigger world is out there, and Michael Douglas was a part of it. Hank Pym was a part of it, <laughs> yes, right? Yeah. Other than that, the story really doesn't revolve around S.H.I.E.L.D. like at all. Right. There's one mention of Hydra later, mm-hmm. but it's, it's really just there to do a little bit of world building mm-hmm. to help you have context for maybe why Hank Pym is as secretive as he is. Right. And speaking of that Michael Douglas is fair. I was a little surprised. He's fairly wooden in this. He's doesn't emote a whole lot. Uh, even there's a, there's a scene between him and hope that's fairly touching mm-hmm. and he's just kind of stiff as a board and doesn't really change his face. And, and they kind of have a line in there. They say, uh, you know, 
the he can't wear the suit anymore and then there's another line later that the particle affects your like brain it, if you yeah. me- if you mess with it too much so they kind of then that's like what i was saying earlier when we were talking about like the overview there's parts of this movie that like yeah you know michael douglas's acting isn't isn't super emotional or like weighty however they do explain why that potentially is yeah i I would say out of the cast michael douglas is is probably the weakest part and and that continues forward too which is shocking into the second and third ones which i know we're not talking about but like He's a fantastic actor, and yeah. I just don't know. You know, maybe after his his battle with cancer, sure. he just doesn't have the bandwidth to be able to, perf- you know, yeah. put on those things. You know, I I don't know. Like, it's not. We know it's. Well, I don't. I guess I don't know. It's not <laughs> Botox. You know, like yeah. but like there's especially in Hollywood. The older you get, like you're typically. You, I think you get more wooden. You yeah. tend to see that. And I forgive it because of how much, I think, in those scenes, Paul Rudd is usually just there, like you said, oozing, spewing <laughs> charisma. Yeah. Um, and he kind of steals the show, which is which is necessary. Yes. And is a benefit rather than a hindrance, I think. For sure. Because, I mean, the movie's called Ant-Man. And mm-hmm. so it, it's it, we need to have it be about him. You know, and I was just thinking, the only other thing I've really seen Michael Douglas and I remember what is uh, uh, Romancing the Stone. And, uh, which is, you know, is a cheesy 80s romantic comedy. But even then, kind of thinking back to his performance in that that's an action movie you know he's he's doing stunts and he's he's jumping off of things and he's being the hunky man i don't necessarily remember him having or needing even to have a super wide range so maybe that's just the kind of actor that michael douglas is i i definitely you know i think looking back at his library he does he tends to play more serious characters yeah that said i i still feel like i should have seen more range that that's that's that maybe sounds harsh but was there there was there wasn't like a huge need for this to be michael douglas right it could maybe could have been stronger with some of that said i still think he's a fine choice yeah he's, he's just in it a lot for as wooden as his performance is yeah and it's also hard for him to i mean because we've seen anthony hopkins in the mcu we've seen i think helen mirren right was she in guardians no wasn't Helen Mirren. It was uh, she plays Nova. Yeah, or Nova Prime, or oh, why can't I think of her name? I can't think of it either. We just talked about it. I know. <laughs> in our two episodes ago, I <laughs> about said our last episode. Any in any case, yeah. I think you know he's a little wooden. I think Evangeline Lilly probably doesn't have enough to do, but she's. I also think she's out of the kind of the four mains, which I would which I would say is uh, Paul Rudd. Michael Douglas, sorry, which are the four leads, which are Michael Douglas, Glenn Close, Paul, sorry, I've <laughs> there you go, that. Glenn Close, yeah, 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 Paul Rudd, Michael Douglas, Evangeline Lilly, and Corey Stoll, yeah. who's who is Darren, yeah, it's it's Paul Rudd and Darren and and Corey, I think, who kind of bring the energy, yeah, um, yeah. now and Paul Rudd's crew, right, like Luis and Kurt mm-hmm. and and Dave, 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 yes. just it's just Dave, <laughs> Ti, like they. They bring a certain level of energy too that I think is even over the top 
there. Yeah. And it's it's actually somehow refreshing, even after seeing Paul Rudd do his thing. Mm. But those dynamics, you know, it, you can get away for somehow. I don't think normally I would say this. I wouldn't say normally you can get away with two of your kind of four mains being pretty wooden mm-hmm. but they get away with it i don't i don't know i yeah. evangeline lily has some good moments there there's a moment near the midpoint of the movie where you know she's like just distraught that her father has chosen paul rudd to yeah. to do this and she goes out in the car mm-hmm. and i completely forgot about the scene but like paul rudd delivers like a really good yeah. emotional kind of speech and like you can see it in her face and her eye like there's that's like the moment where i was like okay like bad wig aside like this is a good performance (laughs) that is a really this is this this right here (laughs) in this moment that was pretty good yeah and and it carries you through then like the rest of the training montage and as they they then are growing their relationship is getting closer and growing stronger i care more about her and i think it it really does hinge on that moment for me of like vulnerability and she was able to express that better than she had the entire first half of the movie Mm -hmm. i think she's much better in the second half i i'd agree with that and we also i mean i think she gets more of a chance to we were talking about exciting, like exciting energy. Mm-hmm. The energy she brings is fairly nervous, I yeah. think, especially in the so she has more of a chance to express that, especially when uh, the the yellow jacket heist is happening. Yeah, uh, just with her being in rooms and like having to uh, not take guys out but play a part. Yeah, but yeah, the heist aspect of this movie, which we mentioned earlier, like it's a heist movie. I I love how it's a multi heist movie. Yeah, there's like a it's, few. It starts out pretty chill. Mm-hmm. It's Paul Rudd breaking into a house. Yeah, you know I love the little like thinking on his feet, mm-hmm. freezing the door. He, it's how he discovers the suit. Yeah, and uh, and, and it real quick ramps up then to later with the big heist. Yes, but you were gonna say that suit. The uh, uh, I'm pretty sure that suit's practical. Yeah, and it looks so good it, especially like close-ups when it's on his head yeah and like you can just see his shoulders mm-hmm. the the leather and they call it a biker suit which it does kind of look like but yeah man yeah every time i see it i'm like that is a really good looking ant-man suit i'm sorry i did i just wanted no no well before we kept going, I, but. you you mentioned the suit we really have we haven't talked about how it's kind of the other side of the coin mm-hmm. right so ant-man is about the the ability to shrink down. Yeah. And I just want to give props to the cinematographer, Russell Carpenter. Okay. Who has not done a lot and has done no, no other MCU films. Yeah. But I think he and Peyton were really able to capture that sense of shrinking. Of yes. I love the, the visuals of how they shrink. Mm-hmm. And I love the lens choice. The, the staging and blocking of when someone is small, that first time he shrinks in the tub yes. and goes through like the couple different apartments, like mm. the dance and then gets picked up by a vacuum. vacuum. Yeah. Like that's all. It's so well done. They do stuff in the, when they need their training, they're doing stuff in the yard. He's underground with <laughs> the ants and he, poof, yes. you know, and, and, and enlarges out of the, out of the middle of the yard. I think those camera decisions those moments where they were said okay here's how we're going to shoot this i think really do impact the ability for you to believe that it's happening yeah right it's kind of like with flying right like 
I can see a person in a cockpit on a blue screen or a mm. green screen, and I can be like, I, I mean, yeah, I guess they're they're in a. I can I can tell they're in a plane, but I don't believe it. Yeah. And I see Tom Cruise in a plane, <laughs> and I know he's in a plane. I can feel it. I know he's in a plane because I could hear uh. Yeah. And now that like was shot practically, but the 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 camera decisions they're making there help with that and same with with this even though it's cg most i you know yeah not i assume i know no they're really strong <laughs> you know you can you can get away with creating some big sets sometimes but yeah. i assume yeah. most of the time it's, it's cg like they still make it feel believable they make it f- like that i just love the moment of terror where it's like this water it's just simply turning on water yeah um they do it later in a final fight with the train it's mm-hmm. like there's this drama it's a train cut, and then it cuts back it's and it's like boink, boink. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's a little plastic thing and especially when like speaking of that scene specifically they throw it and then it like gently falls yeah. on the windowsill <laughs> yeah really good yeah i and i really dig you mentioned tunnels and being Mm -hmm. with the ants anytime he goes i don't know if it's a lens flare but anytime he goes toward light it always seems fuzzy like the grass Mm -hmm. until he's in it Mm -hmm. i really dig that i don't know why um but i think that's a i think that's a good choice yeah it's it's creating those visuals with the even if they're artificial lenses right like here's how we're going to you know if you if you shoot macro photography you know that you have a very shallow depth of field. And so it wouldn't make sense for... Can you explain that again? In oh, there's terms? words. <laughs> I used words, guys. Um, yeah, so macro photography, the photographing of very, very small objects okay. is what that means. Um, typically in macro photography, you have a shallow depth of field. That means very little is in focus. Sure. So if you have, if you're shooting a landscape, you know, big, wide, open landscape, usually you're going to shoot with a a long depth of field okay means lots of things but the, the trees that are 20 feet away from you are going to be in focus but the mountain that's a mile <laughs> away from you is also going to be in focus okay and you'll hear things like oh that was shot at f8 or f11 and that's just the the size of the like the focus ring okay inside the lens shallow depth of field just means that it's it's actually bigger and it's letting more light in and the distance that your camera is actually able to focus on shrinks. Okay. That's why that grass that is only inches away from Ant-Man is fuzzy. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Well, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you mentioned the cinematographer. I also want to give, uh, I want also want to talk about Christoph Beck, who's the mm-hmm. composer for this. He, uh, you know, we talked the composer for Winter Soldier. I can't think of his name, but how he makes that feel like a spy thriller. Yeah. This feels like a heist movie, like a seventies, you know, it's a lot of kind, kind of bassy. I don't want to be crass. And I, I don't know. I'll this <laughs> in, but seventies music can ride very close to like typical porno music. Sure. But you know, it's a lot sure. of bass and it's like, brown, 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 kind of thing. And, yep. Uh, but no, I think he does a really good job making it feel authentic to what it is and what, what, what the director's trying to get across in terms of it being a heist movie. And the Ant-Man theme, I remember, I think I made fun of either on or off air a while ago, <laughs> but it's, it, I, they actually handled that really well. It's not memorable. It's very much just like, 
bum 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 kind of thing. But even that is it feels very heisty. Feels heisty, yep. yeah, and yep. uh, yeah, and so I think that's great to keep the identity of who Paul Rudd or not Paul Rudd, but Scott Lang is as a thief and then just put this kind of superhero label over the top of it. Yeah. 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 I also really enjoy speaking of like the superhero aspect of it, because we talked a little bit about the suit, but the suit and the PIM particles, they don't give him powers per se, but they do alter how he fights. They give him unique abilities. And I really enjoy how they go about demonstrating and talking about things. It's very easy to understand that like, oh, you're taking that mass, you're shrinking it down. It's still going to hit with the same force, but just at like the size of a pinhead versus like all (laughs) over. What does that do? I mean, realistically, it it probably means you fly through human bodies, but this is a (laughs) PG-13 movie and, you know, for kids. So it it just means that that you see this little thing like yanking big guys around. Yeah, right. (laughs) Really, it's, I think it's very interesting to watch him fight Mm -hmm. compared to, you know, so many other Marvel heroes who are going to go shoot, shoot, punch, punch. Right. Now, he still does the punches. But instead, it's it's big, small, punch, punch. It's, small, it's very big, different punch, to watch. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it... That's, I mean, that's good. It just gives us refreshing takes mm-hmm. on on the on the combat. Yeah, you know, it's not refreshing though. <gasps> that Falcon straight up tries to he just pulls out two SMGs <laughs> and just fires willy nilly at this indiscriminately <laughs> into the air. Yeah. This is a threat that's <laughs> we're gonna deal with lethally. Yeah. Okay, Falcon. And, but I also, you know. We mentioned the heist at the beginning and how it kind of works out to the big heist at the end. But there is this heist in the middle. Yes. And I love that there's... It's bad intel. That Mm -hmm. it's, oh, this is just one of Stark's stupid old warehouses. Oh, no, it's the new Avengers facility we just saw in the last movie. (laughs) But So I thought... and that their whole interchange of Scott Lang just being excited to be like, oh, you're an Avenger. Like, oh, like fanboy a little bit. Yeah. Anthony Mackie just being like, who are you? (laughs) (laughs) You you can't be here. I'm going to have to deal with you. Yeah, Yeah. basically. Yeah. But, and then, I don't, man, I've I've said it once. I'll say it until I die. Uh, Anthony Mackie is such a good actor. He he says a line at the end where he goes, it's really important to me that you guys don't tell Cap about this. And... (laughs) The way he delivers it in the way that he's been, he's kind of been integrated into this movie, it feels so natural. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Captain America might even be in this movie or might even have been like in that building or something like that. And I think that has a lot, I just think it has a lot to do with the delivery and uh, what we built up so far, this being the final movie of Phase 2. Yeah, I think it kind of goes back to this... As much as I want to have seen an Edgar Wright version of this film, mm-hmm. I can 100% assure you that an Edgar Wright film would not have felt... I don't know how it would have felt like it was in the MCU, right. if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, that scene specifically, like, that was one that was called out on, like, they added this in fairly late in the process. Oh, okay. This was when the new writers came on, you know, that was something they they that was not in the original script not saying that 
Edgar Wright couldn't have written it in, mm -hmm. but I think it just goes to show you that the strength of the MCU, one of the strengths of the MCU is that kind of everything is tied together, and so you can have moments like that. Yeah, You may get less, slightly less unique films overall, mm -hmm. which I think we'll start talking about here <laughs> pretty soon, <laughs> but yeah, for the most part, I, th I think it it works pretty well if you have are able to still dive into genre a little, which this, this film does. I think so, too. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of getting back to the suits. Yeah. Well, number one, shout out to whoever did costumes on this. Baskin-Robbins manager dude has a double-breasted pockets <laughs> on his on his button-down. Oh, I can't believe we, we skipped over Baskin-Robbins. That's a great little scene. It is. And it's it's it feels real. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It feels so. It feels so good, and uh, and it leads directly. Then, well, not maybe directly, but to not linger too long. Yeah. Um. The like the Baskin Robbins thing is great. The we, we go through a number of scenes with him in the beginning that really do establish where he is in the world. We talked mm -hmm. about how the first scene kind of set up the world. Where is he at now? And it's like it's this prison, mm -hmm. and then he's at Baskin Robbins, and then he's with his friends, mm -hmm. and then he's with his daughter. Yeah, right. And we get to see all of those things within like fifteen minutes. Yeah, it's it's really well paced, and I just I love the connection and the relationship he has with Cassie in this movie. Yeah, the girl who plays Cassie is just adorable. Yes, and the fact that he gives her like the most hideous doll for her birthday and she's just like it's so ugly i love it yeah i'm just like that it's like oh oh as a as a father i get it like it's kids don't always love the the cutest things uh, my daughter loves rocks i don't understand it but she loves rocks she loves collecting rocks i'm like that. you're gonna be a geologist someday <laughs> And I hope you can save us when the world is overheating. And Ooh, let's let's not go down that road. <laughs> Which subterranean? Did she dig into a tunnel there? Yeah, I assume <laughs> you have to be a geologist to know how to dig a tunnel underground. I've had a bit to drink, Trevor. Oh goodness! So that was the first one. Was the the double-breasted pockets? Yeah, because I saw it the the way the camera's facing. It's on his right, and I, that's one of my favorite ones to wear. Is, mm -hmm. is breast pocket shirts. And I was like, oh, that should be on the left. Is he wearing like, like he's like, a, uh, you know, men's to women's shirts where it's the buttons on the other side? Oh, yeah. Nope. That shirt just has two breast pockets. <laughs> Fabulous. <laughs> the other one is I really dig that the yellow jacket suit looks like Ultron. Mm. The, the eye, the eye specifically, or the like the four eye looking things. Yeah. I, I can only assume that was person uh, personal. <laughs> I can only assume that was intentional, but I, I don't know. What do you, what do you think about? I'm that? not sure. You know, I hadn't really thought about it in that way, but you're you're kind of right. And I could see Darren being the person he is, um, wanting to you know kind of live up to Hank Pym's legacy, but also be kind of the new tony stark like that's not what's addressed it's not addressed in that manner mm -hmm. but you know tony's doing the avengers thing now yeah and he's trying to be an arms manufacturer so you know maybe he's looking at like oh like the design of the of the 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 iron legion mm -hmm. and what ultimately became ultron like those those images would be 
out there. Yeah. So and, he absolutely would take inspiration from something that he thought looked cool. Yeah. And Age of that, Ultron is also mentioned in this. It is. It yeah. is. Yeah. Someone. Oh, Hank Pym is talking oh, yeah. about like, oh, we're they're throwing con- cities out cities of the sky. down out of the yeah. sky. Yeah. 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 No, the Yellow Jacket is pretty cool. It's it's a nice twist on. It's just we talk we talked about it once before how the MCU especially in origin stories mm-hmm. has the problem of the hero having just to fight the bad version of himself mm-hmm. right and like at the end of the day that is what the yellow jacket is yeah but it's different enough yeah. i think in its abilities it, it, it has the ability to fly which yeah. he can't it has um Lasers. weaponry yeah. on it yeah. and so it, it makes it unique enough that may be a cop-out answer because i've had a drink but <laughs> i don't mind it like i do some of the others well i think it also you know looking back at some of the movies we've done before where we have kind of the copycat villain obadiah stain is he's kind of just like a bad tony yeah what if what if he went this direction instead of this direction you know the hulk and abomination just is what it is there's mm-hmm. two hulks fighting each other caps and red skull they're kind of both created like by the serum other, yeah. but they're they're not really the same in any meaningful way right thor doesn't have that issue right i don't think guardians does either Mm-mm. yeah but in this darren is very obviously i think losing his mind a little bit and so when we get there instead of it just being like okay this is this is scott lang he's here's the good ant-man and here's the bad ant-man you know instead of that we get like here's the good ant-man and here's the office rocker gonna kill everybody psychotic whatever right and i think i mean to me that gives it a little bit of a pass Mm -hmm. i would rather see two people with different psyche you know, look at the Flash TV series, the Savitar season. Spoiler alert for the Flash season three or four, <laughs> whatever that is. Savitar is 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 Barry if he lost, uh, I can't remember the love interest name. But it doesn't feel like it's Flash versus Flash because he's off his rocker. And right. he's, you know. So I think I'm, I'm willing to give it a little bit more of a pass. What I'm struggling with mm-hmm. giving of pass in terms of the whole third act yeah two two things kind of three number one how does he put on that yellow jacket suit so fast it's like five seconds and he's got it on they do it they yeah you're right and it's like the second time paul rudd puts on the suit in the jail cell mm-hmm. it's also unbelievably fast like he does it in three seconds yeah and it's it's unbelievable but yeah i i can i can get behind you that that's it's a little ridiculous right <laughs> we couldn't we couldn't drag that out just a just a hair longer right and we could even had a bit where it's like he's you know, jumping up on one leg, trying to get his pants on kind of yeah, thing. Oh, yeah, oh, you know? yeah. So there's there's that. And, you know, I'm willing to give that a pass of, like, oh, the Yellow Jacket's got kind of an Iron Man-esque thing where the back opens and you kind of can walk into it or something like that. Can I like also that. say that I love that these are, like, suits you put on? We're getting to yes. the point in with the other MCU movies at this time, not, like, n- current now when we're recording. Yeah. Like, Age of Ultron where those suits are fully automated. They're attaching onto Tony mm-hmm. all by themselves. Yeah. It's not going to be too long before we... I mean, it will be a little while before we get nanobots. But, yeah. like, even something like the Black Panther suit, which is, will be coming up fairly shortly, fairly quickly, yeah. the process of that 
makes it so much easier digitally mm-hmm. to to make those suits. But I just I just think a suit it almost it's got to be something that you can feel and touch and yeah. you put on. And I really appreciate that about this. It's that like he's you know wearing it. Yeah, and you can feel him wearing it. You talked about the quality it, of the it, suit it later feels, earlier, but same so thing with good. Yellow Jacket. Yeah, it feels so good to see on screen. Yeah, the only thing I will say with Yellow Jacket though. The, the lasers look a little <laughs> off sometimes sure. just with the, with the like you're talking about the the reality of the suit mm-hmm. versus these kind of automated lasers that you know are operated mentally who knows who right. cares also while we're on the subject of 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 practical suits versus CGI i i don't know if you were privy to this argument but there was some real stink on twitter about people were saying oh marvel has the best suits and, uh, and people were saying, oh, DC has the best suits because whatever. They both use practical and CGI when yeah. they do their stuff. There's there's behind the scenes shots of there's behind the scenes shots of Rhodey and Tony Stark in Iron Man 2 where they're in mocap. Yeah. And then there's shots and for their suits. Yeah. And then there's shots of uh Batman versus Superman where they are in mocap and then they're in real suits now the capes i know are always cgi but whatever but anyway so i don't want to hear none of that yeah suits are cool yellow jacket suit is cool i like it Suits are cool and you know you talk about the third act it's a little it's i think the third act is a nice has a nice pace to it where you go into the third act really it's about the heist yeah and the the heist of course things go wrong quickly there's this whole thing where did the building go right and there's the the tank bit yeah like there's some fun stuff in there then there's the the helicopter fight followed by a quick fight at a in the some poor fool's backyard yeah <laughs> pool and you think and then it kind of feels like it's over there right because he, he gets swatted, swatted. The, yeah and that's i really dig that scene where he's propped up and i don't know if it, it's supposed to show us that like his laser arms caught him or something or maybe he's just that's just how he got stuck in there i don't yeah. know but when he gets shocked and he like squirms and kind of yells like, that gives me chills when i see it Man, yeah it's really cool like oh no that he had beaten him like to me that's like that's reanimating him almost oh, which is yeah. why he's even more insane for the, the the final final fight which is back at cassie or cassie's house yeah and that's my second issue how does he know where she is where yeah how does she know (laughs) what she like because i i assume they're divorced or whatever and so why would he he knows who scott lang is why would he have any clue any idea is and anyway because we need the emotional arc we need maggie to get freaked out by this bug man in her room (laughs) and then a real bug man i love that ant though that big the The big big ant yeah (laughs) oh we'll have much more to talk about with big ant in uh in part in ant-man and the wasp right right because he comes back baby yeah he does oh Um, man but yeah the 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 final fight in the bedroom i think is really good it yes it's weird how they get there but the the switching back and forth works really well. The train set is awesome. Mm-hmm. The you know they they tease earlier. They talk about the quantum realm and yep. the 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 regulator. I think they do a good job of setting up the risk. Yeah, there are stakes here because of that. Yeah, and as a father, it's easy to make that decision. Yeah, right. Like it sucks. Sure. I mean, I, I wouldn't know, but I'm, <laughs> I'm going to go based off of you. 
<laughs> well, I mean, you could say that about almost almost any relationship that's solid, right? If it's a sol- if it's someone you love, maybe maybe not. Maybe I'm a way less selfish person <laughs> than other people. I don't know, but I think it works really well that moment, and then the yellow jacket, Darren, kind of being that sucked up. That's terrifying. It is. Man. It's and, it's and horrifying. I love. I love that we we with that we kind of get back to, I mean it reminds me of like when Hulk is is grabbing people into the shadows and in Incredible Hulk and it mm. makes me think of when Tony's in Iron Man is getting his surgery and he's screaming and you see blood and it's all fuzzy imagery and stuff and yeah man that's the thing is people these movies is I think more now than they used to at least on the MCU side yeah. Comics are weird, man. Yeah. They're they're strange and they're weird. And they do weird things that are horrifying to watch in live action. Yeah. But that's what I want to see. I want to see that. I So, <laughs> I, not to detract, I feel like we've just gone off the rails so much. I'm sorry. But... You're going to have a lot of editing to do on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, we're over an hour. <laughs> um, we can wrap it up. Let's just wrap yeah, it up. Right. Um, <laughs> but that, that's why I like The Suicide Squad, man. The one that came out recently. Yeah. It's it's freaking weird. It's Starro is the main villain. Who would have thought in a million years that Starro would be the the main antagonist of of a of a comic book movie? But anyway, man, there's there's one more thing that I kind of get a little turned, and it's not the whole third act. It's just the fight, but I, that kind of gets me turned off to it. Why does Darren know how to fight in Yellow Jacket so easy? I assume maybe it's, and now I say it out loud, I assume maybe it's intuitive, it's built to be used for an army kind of thing. Yeah, they don't do a real good job of setting that up. I assume it's more automated than anything. Sure. Just kind of like, how does Obadiah Stane really know how to use (laughs) the Iron Monger suit? That just gets booted up for the first time. Right, like, he shouldn't, but it's a movie, and I can suspend my disbelief. I think that's where the the movie wants us to kind of end up at. That said, like, Scott Lang has had this for two or three days too like he's not necessarily an expert and he's and he's fighting that's decently well he had to have a pep talk to get his to get him going yeah yeah which we'll find happens more and more right yeah but so yeah i i can understand that criticism though yeah we do get a, a a small glimpse of the future. Somebody, I think, what clutched kind of the fan favorite for him for Luis mm. is the 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 retellings that yes. he does, and and the way that they filmed that with people talking like or, or dubbing over him. Yep. And yeah, I think that's I think that was a good choice, and I think it works really really well. It's an excellent choice, and it works it works so well. They do that early on in the first act, and they do it then at the. In, at the very end as well. Yeah. I remember when Endgame so came good. out, people wanted him to recap Infinity the, War the in entire, the beginning yeah. of it. Yeah. <laughs> but there's a there there's a small kind of Easter egg for the future that the uh Anthony Mackie is talking to the the crazy stupid fine reporter chick. <laughs> uh, and and she mentions that there's a there's a super like you know he says I want I want I'm trying to find a superhero and she's or a, whatever enhanced I don't know and she goes well we got ones that swings we have got ones that crawl off the wall we got ones that blah 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 she's very obviously talking about Spider Man right and so that's and we will get him in the next yeah and then the next movie because this is it this is phase two the end and, of phase two so yeah man so we definitely are gonna get 
that kind of I think clenched it that we'll get Spider-Man. In the yeah, I think it had already been confirmed by then because Civil War was coming out next year. Right, and we knew that we knew that there wasn't an active there wasn't a Spider-Man in production with Andrew Garfield. Right. So it was like, Oh, like there, there were sure they're incorporating him in, but Spider-Man was still in development, right? Mm -hmm. We knew something was being made. Turns out that it was, you know, they were getting a nice little, we'll talk about it more in next time, but they give him a nice, (laughs) a nice big cameo. I mean, it's not a cameo. They give him a minor role in here before they, they even give him his own movie. So yeah, man. Yeah. That was, it was a, I think it was a nice tease in that it wasn't something super huge and like this isn't a big movie. We don't need some huge revelation about the world. Yeah. Right. So I thought it worked. Yeah, man. I think so too. So where does this rank for you in the movies of 2015? Man, we talked about it last week, but I I think 2015 was a really diverse year. Yeah. I say it last week. And it we I and it was it. a real big like franchise year it was a a big year for ips yep yep big year for ip we learned we learned all about that last last episode didn't we i you know at the time i wouldn't have put this probably super high up on my list Mm -hmm. i'd probably bump it up now yeah but it's still it's still maybe bottom top 10 yeah, I was thinking that too. It's like it's like maybe falls just out of my top ten depending on the day, you know. Right? Yeah. Like, there's some days I'm like, oh yeah, Spectre, that was awesome. <laughs> and there's some days I'm like, Spectre, like was it that? Like I don't know. Hey man's awesome. So, <laughs> uh, but but I think it falls in or, around that line of like it's at the end of the day like there's hundreds of movies that come out each year. I think it's and I don't see them all obviously. Right. But I think it's really good. Yeah, I think so too. I. I still think Age of Ultron for me is going to be close to the top, like maybe within the top five or ten. Says the guy who put Age of Ultron at the top of his ranking <laughs> list. I'm so surprised, Trevor. Right, go figure. <laughs> but then, like, you know, I think the Peanuts movie is better than Ant-Man. Uh, I also hold for. I know you wavered on it just a second ago. I'm going to hold firm that Spectre is better, you know, in Creed and stuff. So I think this is pretty solidly. I like how you said towards the bottom of the top 10 of the year yeah 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 and i would say i think i would i i can keep my oh, i could snap. hold my Cinder, the live action cinderella came out hold, this year. To, hold to my guns on that there so yeah yeah man well i will give you my since you went first with that i'll give you my updated placement placement so to give you like the three here or the three or four so I have Captain America Winter Soldier at four, mm-hmm. Thor at five, Ant-Man at six, and then uh, First Avenger at seven. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh. <laughs> and I, I feel like I need to justify myself. It's not it doesn't beat the first Captain America by much. It's it's above it because I remember we talked about in the first Avenger, Cap doesn't have a lot of character arc. He's just kind of the good guy, mm-hmm. which is fine, and I think that's good. But I really enjoy watching Paul Rudd's growth from 
you know, this guy that's trying to do right by his daughter. And then kind of where do I find the middle ground of I'm a thief versus I want to be a good dad. And then, and then kind of coming into his own as that, as Ant-Man. And like you said a second ago, or not a second ago, like we've been saying throughout this, this is another MCU movie that kind of breaks the mold on genre yeah. a little bit. It, it, it holds true to a, to heist movie tropes and you know, the same vein as Winter Soldier. Yep. Yeah. Very good. All right. So it ended up at number six for you. Yes. Yeah. So my number four is Iron Man. Mm-hmm. My number five is Ant Man. Okay. My number six is Captain America. <laughs> Great. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, good. I like when I like when they get close. Like right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you were you were chuckling. Oh, you heard me chuckling, and and that's why because <laughs> I I think I agree with you for the most part. I think that it's a stronger entry point for a character than what like than the first avenger i think it's i think it's a better origin story than than that but not as good as iron man right in my in in my humble opinion so it falls at number five out of 12 just just above the halfway point whereas for you it's at the halfway for now yes yeah we're at 12 yeah we're at 12 there you go cool man well thanks for joining us to talk about ant-man and we will see you next time for our phase two wrap-up and if you don't listen to those we'll see you next time for captain america civil war can't wait we did it we did it hey you know what's great though it's 10 o'clock but if we had started at eight we would have been, we would have been recording for two hours oh, and you really? only have an hour to edit <laughs> well an hour um, I just appreciate your honesty because, look, this is not a live show. There's no reason anyone <laughs> would ever suspect there were technical difficulties. Um, this is how I process. I was just angry, and so I have to let people know. <laughs> Got to get it out there. The truth, it will set you free. That's so. right. Don't forget it. <laughs> but he's most known for, like, um, like Veep and... Um, Did you say Veep? Yeah, Veep. Like the... Veep. <laughs> I don't know why I said it like that. I'm pretty sure he did Veep. Um, okay. Am I wrong on Veep? Is it on there? I don't even know what that sound it's is. The, uh, Julia Louise Dreyfus. She's becomes president of the United States TV show on HBO. Veep, American comedy series. Yeah. It was him. What the crap? I've never heard of this in my life. That is... <laughs> Okay, quick sidebar. Well, hang on, I don't know if it's him. But oh, oh you, is... looked it, you looked it up, though. Yeah. Okay. But it I'll... might not be him, but what I will tell you is that Veep was hilarious until 2015 or 2016, and you can only guess why. It's because something was stranger than fiction until it became nonfiction. That didn't make any sense. Oh, I someone see what that you're ridiculous saying. in the White House, yeah, was just hilarious until it became a reality. <laughs> it's like that. Uh, what's the uh, John Mulaney bit yeah. about? <laughs> yeah, there's a horse in the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, real quick, Adam McKay was not a writer on Veep. Okay, but the the main credited writer is Will Smith. But it's not the Will Smith you're thinking of. It's some white guy that I I've never seen before. He, oh, he's a comedian. Who has done such such the media as Hampstead, In the Loop, Time Trumpet, The Thick of It. The, th- <laughs> the Thick of It.
Anyway. Okay, interesting. Yeah. All right. We're really doing After Dark. We are, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Just be illuminated by the light of friends. Okay. What was your first Paul Rudd movie that you saw? Oh, Lord, have mercy. Um... Because he kind of just pops up randomly in places. That is an excellent question. Let me scroll back here in his filmography. Holy sh! He's been in a lot of movies. <laughs> yeah, man, he's he's all over the place. Well, while you're looking up, my first introduction to him was Clueless, which I think was a lot of people's. Yeah, I mean, I would have seen him in uh, the Romeo and Juliet. Mm. movie oh yeah the Boz Lerman uh-huh but I I don't think I would have necessarily been like ah yes Paul Rudd I think he's I my new favorite actor because I watched it this past maybe four or five months mm-hmm. and I was like oh my goodness that's Paul Rudd yeah <laughs> <laughs> there's another one like that I too, mean where he just kind of randomly shows up and you're like what are you doing here like looking at his filmography here probably I, I I may be embarrassed to say this. Uh, luckily, I don't think my parents listen to this uh, podcast. Wet hot, wet hot American summer. Oh, two thousand and one. Um, and then obviously there's Anchorman. Right. Well, you say That's I don't know why I agree with you so hard with that. I don't remember him being in that movie. What Anchorman? Yeah. Is he? He's not one of the anchors. Yeah. He's he Brian, He's Brian Fantana. No kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The like the. The Sex Tiger perfume, it works 100 30% of the time, to- 100% of the time, 30%. Ev- yeah, yeah, 30% of the time, every time. <laughs> He's that guy. I haven't seen that in a minute. Well, now I need to go back and watch it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and he was most also, I think his first kind of bigger movie after this was um, Ghostbusters Afterlife he was in. He's also in 40-Year-Old Virgin. Anyway, this isn't a Paul Rudd podcast. <laughs> it could quickly devolve into that, though. Or would it evolve into that? I'm sorry. I'm all over the place. <laughs> Begone, devour of blood. <laughs> sorry. I think about that all the time. <laughs> um, how about said Damien Chazelle? That's, that's the director. <laughs> uh, uh, this is the second time in a row. Why can't I remember his name? Uh, Rody. Oh, um whatever it is i might cut that out i don't know why i went down that rabbit hole i'm also <laughs> i haven't had a drink since sunday and so i'm also kind of feeling a little bit off of freaking schnapps man sorry anyway 